This is such a beautiful episode. Zeph was so open and vulnerable with me. We talk a lot about grief and how writing has been helpful for his healing. He also managed to spin the questions around onto me a couple of times. He's so inspiring to talk to and we've included one of his poems at the end of the episode which is called The Woman in the Black Dress. I hope you enjoy. Here's Zeph. Welcome to my house, which is five minutes away from your house. Yeah, we found out that we live... I mean, we found out a groove us, right? That we literally live so close Because to you did a poem, right? Which uh-huh. mentioned copper, the copper mill? The copper mill, yeah. So, on a scale of shit to together, how are you feeling today? I'll go with a seven, which a we seven. will categorise as... Whether that's more together and less shit or more shit but still firmly together, I don't know. So you're holding your shit together? I am. <laughs> I am. And it's not to say that there's not things that won't go wrong or haven't gone wrong. Uh-huh. Um, I literally just had a splinter in my ear yeah. a week ago. So, you know, because of a Christmas tree because fatality. Of a Christmas tree. <laughs> uh, equilibrium was all over the place. It was a nightmare. But... I feel content. Okay. That's that's probably the most important thing rounding off the year right now. Mm. We're almost at the end of 2023. Yeah. Uh, How has 2023 been for you? A roller coaster. Yeah. A serious, serious roller coaster. There's been a lot of negatives, a lot yeah. of strong negatives, to be fair. Okay. But also, in that, you learn to just kind of take yourself out of... Because they're our lives, of course, we can get invested in them but you're not the main character mm. all the time. So sometimes yeah. it's about taking that step back, yeah. looking at it objectively and going, all right, cool, this is the situation. Yeah. Can't necessarily change it, but I can control my reaction to it. Definitely. And so moving forward, I'm going to try and have a better day. Yeah. And that's pretty much what this year has been. Um, uh-huh. And in that, you find little beautiful moments, you know? And yeah. in those beautiful moments, I realise, ah, right, cool, these little things about life are what I like. Mm. Like, my mates, Warren and Josh, I haven't seen for probably eight months. I could have gone the whole year without seeing them. They probably could have gone the whole year yeah. without seeing me. But we caught up for lunch, and that was just, like, one of the best days of my year. Oh, wow. So it's, like, learning to appreciate and find those yeah. little moments is, is what I find important in life. And that's kept me grounded this year. Yeah, that's really lovely. Yeah. Because I feel like we became aware of each other or at least I became aware of you from the poetry scene Mm -hmm. and that feels like a recent thing that you've started doing yes in terms of performing maybe you've been writing for a lot longer so for context I'm newly 22 that's three days ago (laughs) a baby yeah no I know um yeah so I've been writing since I was 11 wow been writing since I was 11 half your life also shout out my old teacher. That is half my life. Yeah. 
my God. <laughs> 22 now, man. Yeah, shout out to my old teacher, Kat Brogan. Um, she's also a poet, spoken word artist, whatever Amazing. you want to call her, feminist, LGBTQ, plus, sorry if I missed any letters. <laughs> you got the plus uh, in there. Activist. <laughs> But yeah, she's she's a really dope person and she kind of got me into poetry. I've always loved English, storytelling yeah. and writing and all of that has yeah. always been my thing. But she was just like, hey, you should do poetry. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, well, I'll try it. Mm-hmm. Um, and fast forward, I ended up doing the Jack Petchy Speak Out competition, ended up winning my regional finals, wow. went on to a nationals and I lost there, but it was just that experience. There's no losers at a, at a final. Is, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was that, it was that exposure mm. that sort of flicked that switch and just kept me writing yeah. all those years. So I've been writing for pretty much 10 years um, and only started performing last year. Yeah. 2022 in the summer after my friend Joshua Alexander the goat <laughs> um, after he decided he was going to do an open mic yeah and he won that and then won the headline at Poets Palace yeah. which we both know and love mm-hmm. shout um, out Casey shout out Casey man what a guy <laughs> yeah so he won the first headline actually mm-hmm. at Poets Palace and then I said you know what I'll do the open mic at your headline <gasps> And then I won the next headline. At his headline. At his headline. Oh, that's so cute. And it was just, yeah, it was a crazy, yeah. a crazy little moment. And from then, performances has, have just been spiralling. We're talking yeah. about underground bars. We're talking about Nights in the Pink Room. We're talking yeah. about uh, hidden verse. literature, groove verse. Yeah. And the list goes on and on. To be fair, it's kind of surreal how many events I've done in the short space of time. It just kind of rolls... It's when something aligns, it just kind of comes quite easily. I yeah, think. it is. And it's weird, because I never thought my life would take that turn mm. in terms of poetry and spoken yeah. word. Because I get on the mic on the, or the stage nowadays, and I, I, I don't say this to say that I don't think highly of myself, but I don't think too highly of myself. Mm. So when I get on there and I get off the stage and everyone comes up to yeah. me and it's just like, oh my gosh, your work is so profound, or you, I'm is, so yeah, moved, yeah. and this, that, and the third, I'm just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. What do I do? Do you know what I find about your stuff? Like, I, I genuinely think you're one of the f- best poets that I've seen. Oh, don't like, me. no, honestly. And, and what it is is that it's, like, it's so, like, realised. I think sometimes with poetry and spoken word poetry, it can kind of become about it being a bit techy or, mm. like, barry, but it doesn't really have, like, a beginning, middle and an end. Yeah. Whereas, like, I can really tell that, you're an actor and like a storyteller yeah. because it's so fully realized mm. and you're taking on a journey with it but it's also really profound and um but also like the writing is is barry and like the technicality of it is is yeah. great so yeah oh, thank you so it's mad like you're only 22 but i think this is like a long journey oh yeah you've got no, ahead of yourself with it. yeah it's, it's something i'm always going to yeah. do yeah um, you always just come back to it as well, I guess. Yeah, it's yeah. just, it's, I mean, I don't want to say, uh, well, yeah, no, it's a form of therapy, right? I say this as well. I, yeah. I purge, it's like catharsis, because mm-hmm. all the thoughts just end up on a notes app or on a physical yeah. page, and then I make sense of it later down the road. Yeah. But it's just good to get the stuff out mm-hmm. there, just so I have clarity in my own head. I always say it's like you're taking these big emotions or these big life experiences and you're having to like filter it down to like a tangible, like mm-hmm. palatable thing yeah. that you can explain to people. Literally. And that's why I find it so satisfying is because it's like 
almost like wrangling this big emotion that might be running away with you and then suddenly you've got it controlled. And it's it's the process of that, right? Yeah. And what that means for your actual life. Yeah. It's so easy to get overwhelmed uh-huh. by external experiences yeah. and feel like you have no control. But when you translate writing to life, mm. you have a plethora of experiences that you can write about and when you put them on a page, it's it's random, it doesn't make sense, it's messy. Yeah. And then you find a way to formulate all of that and make it make sense, make it cohesive, put it in a way that people can understand it and yeah. it's eloquent and it's beautiful and you can do the same thing with life. Yeah. You can literally control your reaction to those mm. experiences, your temperament, etc., etc., yeah. and just make it so you can move forward in a way that's like you're able to navigate the world in an, in an easier way, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, completely. And I think why people have such a strong reaction to you is because what you write about is so vulnerable. But also, yeah. I think it's the skill of like the writer or the artist to reflect life mm. back to people. Yeah. And there'll be people sat there who don't have the same skill with writing, but have felt all the things that you're feeling and you're giving them the gift of like being able to understand it for themselves. Yeah. I think, my t- to be fair, I put this in a piece, but like... Um... My little, and I won't say toxic trait, but I'm going to for <laughs> lack of a better word or phrase. Um, mm. I always feel like people can do what I do. Yeah. Like, that is my thing. I don't see a difference between myself and anybody else, yeah, yeah, yeah. obviously bar personal experience. Yeah. Other than the fact that I've put 10 years into Completely, this yeah. without, like, asking anything of it. Yeah. So I'm just like, if you dedicate the time to mm. it, you can you can get there too. It's time, but also like interest in it as well. Like you, we do it because we enjoy it. Whereas like I some mean. people would just wouldn't take yeah. an interest in it. But I'm just like, no, like you can do this too. Like people come up to me, oh, I can never do what you do. I'm just like, yes, you can. Have you heard you of this really thing can. called AI? You definitely literally, can. You really can. You literally <laughs> really can. And it will do half of it for you. Wait, have a job, man. Um, okay, so on that then, what does having your shit together mean to you? Wait, before we... On a scale of shit to together, how are you? Oh, wow, the flip for yeah, us. How am I feeling today? Um, I think probably quite low down, actually. Probably like a five. Okay. Before you got here... I was low. I was, like, running around like a fucking headless chicken. Um, because I didn't sleep very well last night. Um, which, therefore, even though I set an alarm, I'm, like, trying to weigh up, do I get up with the alarm or do I try and yeah. get more sleep? Yeah. And then I feel like I'm catching up with myself for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's me. But I'm glad, I'm glad that you're here because it's making me feel like I'm achieving something. I'm glad today. to be here. No, listen, listen, you're doing, you're doing really well and it's, it's something that I've had to try and, like... Like, I'm not... And I will work like I am one, but I'm not a robot. Yeah. Right? And you are a human being and you do need rest and you do need to prioritise your own sanity sometimes. Yeah. Because we don't have life figured out at all. I know. Even the oldest of people are still trying to figure out life on its journey, right? And they're, quote-unquote, approaching the end of it. (laughs) So you can never never really... You can see yeah, sorry. But you can never really have it figured out. And no. so whilst you're in the process of it, just kind of enjoy yeah. being in the thick of it, even I think if it's so. all muddy and musty. Yeah. I think I've got very used to like swinging from one thing to another. Yeah. I'm not really like a plan, sit down. So for example, it's Christmas. I don't know if you know it's Christmas next week. It is. I yeah. don't think I bought a single present, but it's because yeah. I'm living in the present. So. <laughs> 
So, like, it could be any it could be any day today. Do you know what I mean? I'm yeah. not counting down. But I also think, yeah, it's like I'm going back home for Christmas on Friday. Oh. I've got the gig yeah. on Thursday. Yeah. So I just feel like there's lots of um, things up in the air at the moment yeah. that I'm just kind of like slowly trying to yeah, tie a lot, down. There is a lot happening. Yeah. There is a lot. So that's me. So thanks for having me on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what does having my shit together mean to yes. me? Do you know what? I, f- I feel like it, it looks like trying okay. every day. Like, you won't ever really... I mean, in, a lot of people would probably classify having your shit together as, like, having this job or making this amount mm-hmm. of year or having your dream salary or whatever it is, having a family, whatever that looks like mm-hmm. to you. It would probably be the end result of that. But to me, I kind of enjoy the process. Yeah. And so if I'm getting up and I'm like, okay, yesterday we ended at about like 60%. Mm-hmm. Had 40% left in the tank and I didn't get to give 100 because I was a bit too mentally tired. Yeah. But we'll get up today and we'll try and go for 70 today yeah. or 80 today. I'm always going to strive for 100%. Okay. But like if we, do, if we reach it, we reach it. And if we mm-hmm. don't, we don't. Mm-hmm. Either way, I will get up the next day and give effort. And that's what is, like, I'll say that's more having my shit together mm-hmm. than an end product. And yeah. I'm here now. So it's the journey. It's yeah, like yeah, the getting 100%. up and the taking steps towards the thing. It's always a journey. And it's the, the, the thing that's funny is I used to fear that the most. Mm. I always used to sit there and go, all right, cool. Let's just kind of blank out the journey. The end process is the, the, the end product is the yeah. thing that matters. But how do you get there? Do you know what <laughs> Honestly, I mean? Like, yeah. how, how, how do I get there then? And it's just like that that process prepares you and it builds you. And Mm. if I didn't prioritise the journey, I probably couldn't be sat here having this conversation with you because I wouldn't have enough to talk about or enough perspective to be Mm. able to kind of look at things a certain way. And because I'm still on a journey, things are still subject to change. So even my thoughts now aren't finalised about certain things. It's like being malleable. Literally. But, like, it's that thing, isn't it, that, you know, if you said you were going to climb Everest and then you snapped your finger and suddenly you're at the top of Everest, there'd be no satisfaction in that, like, actually the joy of it. My housemate had it, for example, she ran the Berlin Marathon and she, like, was training every day for it. Yeah. And then when she did it and she completed it, she suddenly felt, like, empty almost Mm. because she was like, and now what? Yeah. Like, that was her structure. That was the thing that was getting her up out of bed, the thing that was pushing her forward every single day, and suddenly she completed this thing. And Mm. I think she was expecting to feel, like, ecstatic, but actually she was kind of left in this void of what now? Literally. That's that's me with theatre, funnily enough. Yeah. When I do... So I did a show at the RSC years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a midnight summer dream. Yeah, Midsummer Night's Dream. Midsummer Night's Dream, Mm -hmm. yeah. Shout out Shakespeare. Um... (laughs) But yeah, it. so that that, <laughs> that that process was yeah. like eight weeks of rehearsal wow. and about six weeks of shows. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, it was a proper little Who'd run. Who did you play? It was a proper little run. I was King Oberon. Oh. Oberon, King of Fairies. All right. Come on. But yeah, like the, there were so many ups and downs yeah. and there's discovery and then yeah. you have that solidified character in your head and then you lose it all and then there's a moment of rediscovery and mm. then it's completely different and then you do the shows and the audience changes day in, day out yeah. and it's completely different and the jokes don't land the same, <laughs> humour is definitely not the same, bottom is not as funny yeah, on the first yeah, night yeah. as he is on the 17th yeah. night and it's just like the show ends and close up, we finish our final show and it's just like, okay... What is my purpose in life? Yeah, honestly. Because I've like I dedicated so much time yeah. to this. Like I gave 
pretty much what 14 weeks of my life yeah. to this yeah. every single day. Yeah. And now I have nothing to do. And now what? <laughs> so yeah, that 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 journey, right? That yeah. process is a thing where I feel like if we can all fall more in love with the process, whatever that is in yeah. your career, whether that be your aspirations, whether for some people it is poetry, acting, mm. writing, riding a bike, yeah, training up to a marathon, mm-hmm. whatever that is, if you can fall in love with the process, I feel like you really learn to appreciate life a little bit more. Oh, definitely. Because you start looking at the small things as if they're all huge things. Yeah, yeah. Like, for your friend... The lead up to that marathon, an injury probably felt catastrophic. Yeah. But that being able to run again, yeah. oh my God, you know, yeah. must have felt so freeing and, yeah. and just so like, just so good to be in that moment. Uh-huh. So the process, the process, process, the process, the process. And that's not having your shit together means to you. Yes. Processing. Processing. Um, okay. Before the podcast, I asked you to think of an object that makes you feel like you've got your shit together. Yes. What is it? My wallet. Your wallet? My wallet. Go on, which why? I do not have with me. Okay. But <laughs> it's because I'm I'm weird in this, and I think it's because I've been somewhat mature from a slightly young age. I'd say about 15, 16. But in my mind, since then, I have not aged. Okay. So it's like I have to consciously think about my age when people ask me how old I am. Wow. And it's just like, oh, yeah, no, I actually... Like, I am 22. I had this conversation the other day. Someone was just like, what? It was your birthday. How old did you turn 21? No, sorry, wait, 22. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to keep reminding myself. Yeah. And my wallet makes me feel grown. Okay. <laughs> so, again, if we're talking about that end product, uh-huh. like... My wallet is one of those things where I used to attach it to, like, being financially stable. Yeah. And, you know, if I carry cash, then I won't keep using damn yeah. Apple Pay, tapping my card yeah. away like Apple is paying for the stuff that I'm buying. That's so true. Because they're really not. Um, and, yeah, it just makes me feel a little bit more put together. Uh-huh. I have all my cards in there. I know what's necessary and I know what's not. And mm. I look at the available cash in there and I'm just like, I could afford this, this yeah. takeaway. But... There's food at home, which I spent this cash on. So let me go and cook. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's a little thing that makes me feel like a little bit of a grown-up. Yeah, and it's definitely something that, like, as kids, like, who was having a wallet or, like, a purse or anything like that, it's definitely you know something I mean? that you ascend to at some point. Yeah. You get, you get one. And I think I always kind of looked up to men with wallets, as yeah. weird as that sounds. No, like, that makes sense. I've always looked up to a man with a wallet or a man with a nice watch on mm. who's, like those weren't things that I saw inherently, like, in my household or just around. Yeah. And so I kind of wanted to grow up to be that man, you know? Like, he, that that specific man that I'm talking about or thinking about walks with a certain bravado and people look at him a certain way and he walks into the coffee shop and it's just, you're right, love, morning, love, what are you doing? (laughs) And everyone's just, like, their rapport is just so... So much what I wanted for my adult life. Wow. And I think I'm starting to get there anyways. Yeah. I hope I am. Yeah. But yeah, my I love wallet. that. That's such a good one. A time in your life where you felt like you really had your shit together? I would say 2019. Okay. So at this point, I was still in college. For reference, I went to the Brit School of Creative and Performing Arts. Alumni such as Adele. Uh, Adele, <laughs> Tom Holland. Wow. The uh, the list goes on. Javan Wade, Purcell Ascot. Do you have to audition to get into that? Yes. Wow. You do. I was so unprepared for my audition. It was so crazy. My teachers were probably so 
disappointed. What did you do, like a monologue or something? <laughs> so you have to do two. <gasps> you have to do a contemporary piece and a Shakespeare piece. So is it like you choose your media? So like obviously Adele, I guess, would have sung. Yeah. Right. So okay. there's music, <laughs> theatre, dance, Great. the okay. more popular ones, and then uh-huh. you have TTA, uh, IDD, all the design ones, all the tech stuff, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then makeup, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. How I prepared for my theatre audition was they give you a list of Shakespeare monologues, to right. be fair, so that makes it easier. Yeah. I picked Romeo and Juliet. And I... <laughs> well, I should have. <laughs> um, no, I played Romeo. Um, and my contemporary monologue, it's right there on the tip of my head, but I can't mm-hmm. quite grasp what it was. Um, I learned both of them on the train to my audition. Wow. So underprepared. Wow. So, so underprepared. Wow. Probably the worst mistake I've made in my life because I walked into that place and it was teeming with... Like, I promise you, when you say the word creative... Yeah. And you have that picture in your mind of what a creative is, like, everyone in that <laughs> school was a creative down to the bone. Yeah. And I was just like, right, well, I'm not going in. Yeah. Long story short, I got in. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Um, Yeah, I did. But yeah, no, 2019, Mm -hmm. when I was just going into year 13, was probably that year that I had my shit most together. Mm -hmm. Like I was waking up at a certain time every single day. I'd wake up and it stretches and yoga and voice warm-ups. And then I get into school early. My lessons don't start till nine, but I'm in school at seven. Mm. And again, it's me and the guys and we're doing monologue research and finishing our logs. Our logs is just basically coursework. Yeah. Um, And it was that time where I was also auditioning the most. And this is why having your shit together is weird because I allocate me having my shit together most to the period of time where I was doing the most in order to progress my career. Productivity. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's just like, personally... That year wasn't the worst, but it was probably where I felt out of touch with myself the most. Interesting, yeah. And it's still funny how I still equate my most having shit togetherness to that time. Do you think that's like a societal thing in terms of the expectations that we put on ourselves? Yeah, You're, You're just conditioned... That productivity to work, is... Yeah. condition to go. Yeah. And it's funny the way the world is taking a turn of AI and robotics yeah. now, but, like, we are not that. We're social, emotional yeah. beings, and we kind of need balance. Mm. Everyone has this idea of, like, oh, no, don't be balanced. And to some degree, I can follow that, right? When I'm mm. in the gym, I can 110% say I am so far unhinged. Yeah. Like, I will go till near death failure in order to be able to get the results that I want when I'm training when it was sports it was that level of intensity but that's because the playing field is so competitive Mm -hmm. that you need to be that way otherwise you'll get beaten every single time and that's the mindset that I took with acting um so I was auditioning the most I was always writing I was always taping I was always in school one time I was always leaving late I would probably like Brit is what in Croydon, so it's an hour and a half away from me. It's an hour and a half away from me. School would finish at four. I'd leave at eight, get home at nine. Oh my god. Tape until like one or two, and that's like taping, editing, etc. etc. Sending things off, doing logs, and then wake up and then be out of my house again by six. And I'd repeat that day in, day out. Um 
So it's a process. It, it was a mm-hmm. real process. But looking back, I feel like that gave me a drive that, A, not a lot of other people have. Yeah. But B, also an understanding for the hunger that you need to have in the industry yeah. just to survive. Yeah. Um, and so now I can kind of navigate it better. Yeah. I can sit there and go, okay, this is needed. We can plan around it mm-hmm. to make sure that I can still do this. Yeah. But I'm not going to burn myself out doing Definitely. it. Yeah. Because I think so much with acting, it's, a, it's been a lot of stuff that I've been reflecting on at the moment, but, like, making your way in acting or within creative industries, it's, a, it's like, 30 40% talent, and the rest of it is, like, audacity, yeah. but also um, treating it like a business and, yeah. treat, and doing all of that extracurricular stuff. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have the talent and are kind of waiting to be spotted or you know waiting for the things to come to them and actually it's about pushing yourself and treating it like a business like you have to headhunt it man you you have to be the one that's headhunting these opportunities Mm. because you know if you think about a casting director they've got hundreds of people to sift through and and look at and sort of make a choice on yeah um essentially judging all these people if you sit there and you wait in the background they might never get to your table but also like treating it like that gives you a sense of empowerment i think because i think so often with this kind of industry you can feel so like lost in it all because there's so many people and Mm -hmm. you might be you might have a great agent but you might be thinking god like i'm just kind of waiting for them to do it for me and actually knowing that the stuff that you can be doing to empower yourself just being proactive a little bit and kind of take some of that control back especially as actors it's very easy to just feel like a work for hire yeah whereas if you can sit there and go okay no i'm going to chase this opportunity Mm. and i'm going to control whatever variables you can just to make sure that you're putting your best foot Mm. forward or you're putting yourself in the best possible position yeah just makes your life a little bit easier hard work but mm. makes your life a little bit easier. Yeah. I think having structure, though, from what you're saying that you had at the Brit school is what most people need in order to feel like they have their shit together. So, yeah. yes, it's, like, productivity, but it's also just, like... I think when you just have, like, a vastness stretched out in front of you, you mm. can start to kind of get a bit lost in it. Yeah. Like, it's that quote that's, like, if you want a job done, give it to a busy man because you will be moving forwards anyway mm-hmm. rather than just feeling a bit, yeah, lost. Yeah. But I think structure is always needed with awareness yeah i think what i lacked yeah yeah. what i lacked was the awareness of self rest just to be able to stop and just be like zeph breathe give yourself a little break do you think you've got better with that yeah 110 percent yeah i 110 (laughs) never nothing if not overachieving to the gym yesterday i said what I'm tired, man. I'm yeah. tired. I'm going to light my candle, put some Rick and Morty on, oh, yeah. kick my feet up, nice. and just have a lovely chill night because I knew I was coming here the next day and yeah. I was just like, I want to be okay. Yeah. And if I exhaust myself, I'm not going to be yeah. okay. Yeah, that's good self-awareness. It is. Well done. It is. It's still hard, yeah. but journey. It's growth. Process. Okay, in opposition to that then, mm-hmm. a time in your life where you felt like you really didn't have your shit together. Last year. Okay. Last year, last year, summer. When was... Oh, it's Palace. I believe it was July sixteenth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first one. Yeah, that was a that was a <laughs> shaky time. It was a very shaky time. Um, a very big change. Um, a negative situation happened. I won't divulge what it was for the sake of the person's privacy. Um, but that happened, and 
that's again that at that moment in time I was pushed into fight or flight so I didn't have that yeah. self-awareness and I wasn't looking after myself and I was showing up for people offering everyone else everything and I had nothing yeah um and that was literally yeah the so the same week Josh did his headline mm-hmm. and then I sat there and went to case and was just like I want to do an open mic and then we did one I believe August and then I won that headline and then et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so they were good moments nonetheless, but they were just clouded by this this yeah, whole course. like thing of negativity. Um and it was it was rough. It was rough because I'm quite a you know what, yeah, I'll, I'll call myself a loner. I'm quite a loner. I'm not alone, like yeah, I've, yeah. I've got people I love that and, and friends and stuff okay. and but I can spend a lot of time by myself and I, I like it like mm-hmm. like I'm very happy by myself I enjoy my own company yeah. I don't annoy myself which is part <laughs> of the reason I spend so much time alone um but yeah I can be with myself yeah. with my mind with my thoughts and it's okay and in that period of time it felt very not okay to be so alone but then at the same time I felt like I was externally being a burden to people if I was around them yeah um so yeah, it was weird. Mm-hmm. I'm in a better place now. So weird to think that that was only it, yeah. like just over a year ago. Yeah. Um, but it's again we keep going back to that journey. It's part of it. Mm. Um, looking back, I wouldn't change it for the world. Well, I say that a friend of mine that let's just put it that way. Yeah. But um, do I want them back? Do I miss them? Yes. Would I have changed that situation for the world? No. I think it, at that point, gave me a perspective on life that I was missing. Yeah. I kind of started thinking of life as being finite. Yeah. Because especially when you're as young as I was at the time, you start to think that you've got so much time and life can go forever and it's okay because nothing can take us out and we're all invincible. Yeah. You're not. Yeah. You're really not. Yeah. Um, everything is finite and you have to tell people you love them when you do because you might not get that chance yeah. again, etc., etc. Um, So that was when my ship was leased together because yeah. that just spilled into work and other things. It made life in general really difficult. But we're here and we are better. Yeah. And I look at that situation with just a lens of appreciativeness. Mm-hmm. Like I'm hard as it was, I'm I'm grateful for it because I don't think I would have grown into the person that I am now without yeah. it. As strange as that is to say. Yeah. I'm so sorry that that happened. So um but the way in which you talk about it is heartening, I guess, in mm. terms of taking such a awful thing and I guess having to, you can either fall into it or you can climb out of it, yeah. I guess. And it sounds like through processing and through time, you've been able to kind of utilise it. Mm. Um, have I put it in? I have. Have you? Were you at Poets Palace? I have, I have heard the poem. The Soldier's Guard, yeah. yeah, and it's incredible. That's yeah. the first poem that I, I saw you perform. Yeah, it's so... amazing. It was a piece called The Soldier Scars. It's like eight minutes long, yeah. which is the longest piece I've ever written. Yeah. Um, a lot to process. Yeah, a yeah. lot to process. And it like it took a year to write. So. Yeah. But often when you're writing those things, you're not anticipating performing it. So No, like, no, never. You know. I literally made the decision to perform it on that day and yeah. I was just like, fuck it. Yeah. 
but yeah, no, it's um, it's still weird to talk about. Yeah. And I guess that's the thing with like grief in any aspect, right? You never really learn how to handle it. Yeah. It just shows up in different ways. There's no template for it either. Like as all. a society, we do not talk about grief. No. Like it's this thing that we all kind of know is looming Literally, over us. Yeah. Like you said, the old people are about to die soon. <laughs> We know it's like the one definite thing that we're all going to experience at some point and that we're going to experience losing loved Mm. ones. But no one is like, you don't get a lesson in that in school of like how best to show up for yourself or for other people. It's it's crazy. It's like we're all too shy and nervous to look at this thing in the face. Yeah. I think there's other cultures that are way better at it. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. But I also, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to think that people are just, so in love with life that mm. it, it just terrifies them a bit too much to Definitely, talk about the other side yeah. of things. Like, death has never been something that I've been scared of. I've always been quite acutely aware that it's there and it will come at whatever point. But, yeah, it's just... It's something that just needs to be talked about. Yeah. Because I feel like when you open up that passageway for communication in that time then at least you know you have people who you can speak to. Yeah. Because I feel like the easiest thing to do at that moment where you experience grief is shell up. And just not talk to anyone and internalise. And especially as a man, that's what I'm programmed to do from the moment I'm born, pretty much. So, yeah, it was was weird. Shout out Joshua again. He's going to get a lot of shout (laughs) because that is actually my guy. Yeah. But no, he's, he's always been there for me he's always there for a conversation Mm. and I think that is important yeah it's literally my brother from another mother and I think there's that thing as well when you're experiencing you know sadness or grief or anything like that what you were saying about not wanting to be a burden on anyone Mm -hmm. but trusting that the people who love you actually want to make space for that and that people know what to do with yeah. that i think when sometimes when you remove yourself from people that can feel for people who love you a harder way to get to yeah. you do you know what i mean yeah, a harder 100%, way to 100 and i'm definitely like that i, I do make it hard for, <laughs> for people who want to be there for me because yeah. i just don't like to allow my problems to kind of filter onto anyone else mm. But even in that sense it's like even if you don't know what to do and a lot of the time my friends and my family haven't known what to do yeah. i'm a very complex person to yeah. try and 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 deal with mm-hmm. the thing that i appreciate the most about them is that they'll still go on that journey of figuring out yeah they're not afraid to get things wrong and still be yeah. there for me after that yeah um i think, I think sometimes as thing, well yeah. like you want to you want to like fix someone's problem don't you and yeah. you want to like course, make yeah. it better for them and actually sometimes it's just about giving someone the space to yeah. talk and process it and Literally. like empty it out but i think that's why it's really important that you do put it into your writing and that you do perform it because there will be people who will connect with the journey that you've been on and yeah. haven't seen themselves represented on other platforms and stuff like that and I just think it's yeah I think it's a really important and yeah that's what I found with a soldier scars yeah I like when I performed that for the first time it was very selfishly yeah. I sat there and I was just like you know what no this is like this right there on my mind I need to get it off there yeah so I'll perform it and then I performed it, and the amount of people that came up to me afterwards talking about Zeph, like, you have no idea how much yeah. I needed that. I've been through a similar thing. Someone um, brought me their nephew, who was there as well. She had brought him to Poets Palace. Wow. 
because she's a poet as well. Um, and he was just like, yeah, he's going through similar things. Can you talk to him? And I was just like, what qualifies me to talk to your nephew about his life? I'm just simply going through an yeah, experience yeah, yeah. and narrating it. Like, yeah. I'm not qualified to talk to anyone. Yeah. But it was that thing of, like, taking a step back again and realising, like, so many people are Completely. just like you. Yeah. Like, so many people go through the same things. Yeah. I, I experienced it. So the very, the very first poem that I started performing at um, Spoken Word Nights was a poem that I'd written about consent, mm. which, again, and, like, the grey area around it, which, similar to you, like, I had written it in my bedroom for myself trying to process a thing and never ever anticipated performing it in front yeah. of anyone or anything like that and then I did and that's the one that started getting me like booked mm. for things but I would always when I first performed it I was so nervous and scared because I was like this is such a private thing that yeah. like I don't know whether people will relate I don't know if people will judge me I don't know whether this is and this and actually mm. because it's so vulnerable yeah the amount of people that I had coming over to me afterwards, which were just like, thank you. Yeah. Like, you've you've put into words something that I've been wrestling with for, like, a really long time and yeah. stuff like that. Like, I think that is the power of writing and the power of, like, poetry is that what I was saying before, it's, it's almost gifting other people with language that yeah. they can process their own stuff. Yeah. And it's strange when they're coming over to you and they're like, this happened to me. And you're like, I'm really sorry. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, can I help? Can I give you a number for the therapist or something? But, um, but it's, yeah, it's a really powerful thing. From that sure. situation that you wrote about, how are you, how are you feeling? Are you okay? Are we good enough? Yeah, no, no, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I am. Um, and actually for me, the process of performing it, like the very first time I did it, I like burst into tears immediately after it because yeah. it cost so much to do it mm. um but now it's weirdly it's helped me heal yeah. because i in every time that i do it it's like talking about things half shame right mm -hmm. like that is that shame is so powerful because it silences you and and it, it, it attaches to these situations even if it's like grief or like you know whatever there's an element of shame and like holding it away from people that almost like makes that emotion more powerful and more silencing because you're just sitting yeah. in it and you're keeping it to yourself and yeah. you're bottling it up. And actually it's that a problem shared is problem halved, right? Like course, yeah. being in a space, particularly like a poetry space where everyone is there being vulnerable yeah. and willing to hold you. Yeah. Like being able to share that and having people come up to you and be like, I've been there too, or is actually a really beautiful thing and for me has helped me heal as well yeah. and now when I perform it it's almost like it doesn't belong to me anymore it belongs to like everyone else mm. and I've never really spoken about it like this before it's quite a beautiful thing really it like is, it's yeah. it's yeah it's like it's it's helped me to process my own stuff because it's not just mine anymore it's like everyone's yeah do you know what I mean that's I, lo I love that for you. I do love that for you and I'm glad you're doing better thanks Anyway, you keep flipping this, so it's like me, me being on my own podcast. It's a conversation, man. <laughs> hey, Aunt. Hey. You do a great job in editing this podcast, might I say. If people like the podcast, what do they need to do? Like it. What else? Follow it on social media. And then what? They could share it with every single person they know. Thanks, Aunt. You can go back to your corner now. Bye. Three things that make you feel like shit. Now, this one isn't exclusively, because I can still go for it 
at times in controlled environments. I will say alcohol. Okay. I started drinking fairly young. Do not judge me. Hey. <laughs> I know you wouldn't. <laughs> no, I, I started drinking when I was like 15. Okay. But that's just because of people who I was that's around. That's pretty standard. Yeah. Yeah, no, now yeah. I've realised yeah, that yeah. it is, which is... So marginally just scary. Talk about it, babe. Get rid of that shit. Marginally shape. scary, but um, it is terrible. Yeah, no, they they came a point where like if I was going out, it was mm. like I had to drink, and yeah. like it was shots upon entry, and then yeah. you're mixing white and brown liquor, and it's just yeah, it was a nightmare, and mm. I think I I kind of got to that place where it wasn't serving me yeah. anymore. Like it didn't do anything for me. It was actually doing more detriment than it was. Mm-hmm. Um, any positive effect and yeah. it, it would just like it made my career harder because I'd wake up hang o- hungover yeah. my body is now in terrible condition I'm super dehydrated I don't mm-hmm. have the means or the facilities to do what I love yeah, to yeah. do and because I can't do what I love to do I don't feel fulfilled Yeah. Um, and that started to snowball so I cut it out for about a year like cold turkey and then wow. I came back to it and now I'm at this place where I can like have a drink and it's all good but I I definitely will not push past like a few. We'll call it out a few glasses of wine or whiskey if I feel like an old man. And then we'll, we'll, we'll call it there. But alcohol has been something that I've wrestled with for a little minute. Yeah. Um, that is like a, again, it's like a societal thing, yeah. isn't it? That like, I think when you're kind of introverted or, um, I don't know, alcohol becomes this almost armour mm. that you tell yourself that you need. Yeah. So that you can, like, go and be in a social situation. And Literally. the thought of being in a social situation without it, especially with other people drinking, is, like, yeah, really anxiety-provoking. But it's a way that, I think, as our society, we, like, come together. Mm. It's, like, everyone kind of gets fucked and, yeah, like, literally. bond. And then the next day, everyone's, like, bonded and being hungover. Yeah. And you've all been on this journey together. When when we was in the Euros and we was almost there and it was the home stretch, it was pubs, <laughs> it was pubs and bevs. I saw there was, it was pubs and bevs and, you know, Rashford scores a goal and everyone's beer is all over the walls and it's just like, it is that thing, right? And especially British culture, they heavily embrace a beer Mm -hmm. and I love it. I do love it. (laughs) It is good fun. Um, But sometimes for my own personal sake, I just need to know when to just scale it back. Mm. Um, I need two more things. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing that I don't, I'm, like, I might not have three. That make you feel like shit? Yeah. Well, not seeing my friends enough is definitely okay. another one. Um, I am naturally extroverted. Mm-hmm. That has since changed to purposefully introverted. Interesting. Um, An extroverted lone wolf. Yeah, yeah. No, honestly. Or have what, a great time on your own. <laughs> what, this, what this society would call, I believe, a sigma. Oh, wow. A sigma male. What's that mean? Um, I that. So yeah, just the, just the guy who's able to go anywhere, the sort of social butterfly that just chooses to be alone. Oh wow. Yeah, not a beta male. I'm not an alpha. I'm just a sigma. Oh wow. <laughs> me and my little sigma ways, but yeah, no, I just um, a lot of life experience. Mm-hmm. A lot of life experience has just made me sort of have to sit down and reflect. Yeah. And because I have to do that, I have to naturally spend more time alone. Because when I'm clouded by or young, when I was younger, I was very much more impressionable. Right. So when I'm around other people, I stop listening to myself and I go with what everybody else wants to do or mm-hmm. where everyone else wants to go. And it's just like, no, I got to go and do this thing, yeah. or I'm just not feeling it today. And yeah, 
that has just sort of made me go, you know what, let me listen to myself and, and do what I want to do and actually sit down and reflect. My longest period of time of reflection was genuinely throughout COVID. Um, during that lockdown, I went on a walk every single day, mm-hmm. literally down towards uh, Tottenham Hill. I walked through the marshes every day. I'd wow. have the same route, just like by the little docks, and I'd come straight back up. Um, and I learned the most about myself during that time through being alone, just because I was forced to be alone. Yeah. Um, and now I have people around me who I choose mm. to have around me and who aren't around me because of circumstance or anything that I can do for them. Yeah. And it's the same with me and them. Um, so leading back on to my point, yeah, seeing my friends is is something that is massively important. We're all wildly busy yeah. because we're all very ambitious people, mm-hmm. but we do still make effort to yeah. see each other and that's yeah. the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And thirdly... <laughs> Sleeping too much. Sleeping too much. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird because a lot of people Grumpy. love sleep, but well, I guess you can you can overindulge. Literally. Yeah. And you know, too much of anything can be a bad thing. Yeah. But yeah, sleep sleeping too much is and it's a weird thing. I think my relationship with that is if I'm sleeping a lot, I'm not doing enough because so you you're only have twenty four hours yeah. in a day. So I'm just like. Yeah, but you have to sleep at some point. Get up. <laughs> yeah, no, you honestly do. You honestly do. But I think I found a sweet spot between like five and a half and six hours of sleep. Oh my God. That's like a politician. <laughs> Margaret Thatcher sleep for like four hours a oh night or God. something like that. Yeah, no. Wow. But I, I genuinely don't need a lot like that. I hit five and a half hours to six hours. I can wake up on my own without an alarm feeling good. But it's all about like the this thing before like the night before yeah like my routine has to be set in place for me to be able to go to bed at a certain time and what's your nighttime routine then so if i'm not working late like today i'm not working so after the evening like my day will probably stop around like half seven eight p.m um go have a shower wash my face get into some comfortable clothes light a candle as (gasps) as i always must (laughs) <laughs> um, have a little bit of a, a comfort food slash late snack session. Oh yeah, maybe a tea. What's your snack? I mean, it depends. If I'm feeling particularly unhealthy, I sorry for anyone who's allergic to nuts. I will go with a walnut cake. A walnut cake. I have to. Oh, <laughs> I have to. I have to. It's either that or cinnamon buns. Oh wow, I fucking love a cinnamon bun. That feels like a morning moment though. I hear you. Yeah, but you disagree. But. <laughs> There are these cinnamon buns from Buns From Home. Okay. Um, if you haven't tried it, you need to. Okay. Um, it's my favourite place ever. There's Spenny, though, so... Oh, okay. Take that with a pinch of salt. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> awesome. A cinnamon bun and a tea, a green tea. Okay. Caffeine maybe, at night. That's maybe crazy behaviour. Listen, it doesn't actually affect me. Oh, it really badly. affects me. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I hardly know. Wow. But yeah, that that will sort me right out. A little bit of my favourite show. So I might watch some Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory. A little bit of Sheldon, do you? Ah, uh, Sheldon. Me and Sheldon are friends, man. <laughs> Sheldon Sheldon is who I wish I could have been. <laughs> He's the academic I wish I could have been. I genuinely, honest to God, wish I was that smart. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Probably with the personality traits of Leonard. Yeah. <laughs> just so I can be somewhat a social, a social guy, but I wish yeah. I was that smart. Wow. But yeah, no, not getting enough sleep. Mm-hmm. Or getting too much sleep, getting sorry. Too much sleep. Getting too much sleep. Really you want the sleep. sweet spot? Yeah. Wow, okay. In opposition to that, then, three things that make you feel like the shit. 
Ooh, looking in the mirror. <laughs> like, now I'm being genuine, I'm being genuine, looking in the mirror. Sometimes yeah. like, I, I fall in love with myself every day. I'm just like, I look at myself, I'm just like, damn, man. Like, I don't want to sound big-headed, but no, stuff no. you really got going on, man. Like, I, under- <laughs> I understand. I understand the traffic. <laughs> the there's, there's, there's not traffic, man. There's, there's one person. <laughs> um, but I get it. I get it. So mm-hmm. I do get it. Got back yourself. Yeah, man. Mm. So looking in the mirror. <laughs> I think writing. Yeah. Writing makes me feel like this shit because mm-hmm. it's a process of me like maintaining power over my experiences where a lot of them are so deep and so personal it's very easy for them to own me and Mm. for me to begin to identify myself with that experience or who I was at that time yeah um whereas when I can finish a piece and look back at it and read it back and go okay no this is who I was yeah and that's not who I am right now yeah like when I look in that mirror that's not who I see that gives me a bit more stability in my life to know, all right, you've changed. Willing or not, you have changed. Mm. And I can honestly say, and I hope other people would say the same, it's been for the better. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, writing writing is one thing that makes me feel like the shit. A third mm. thing is being able to smile, like genuinely being able to smile and like have a laugh. Mm-hmm. So there was a point in time where that was not the case mm-hmm. and I probably walked around looking like I hated all of humanity for a little minute mm-hmm. um, but being able to smile and laugh and like go to my mate's backyard and have a picnic in the summer and just have a have a time we're not doing anything everyone's yeah. just talking and socializing but it's just a good time mm-hmm. and the fact that I can now after everything that life has thrown at me I can yeah. enjoy those times yeah. like genuinely enjoy them yeah they're not huge moments by by any extent. Like they're not they're not huge things. Mm. But that little thing brings me so much joy. And the fact that I can enjoy that is just like like the yeah. simple things. Yeah. Simplicity. I am a man of little things. I like that. Have you heard the poem by Wendy Cope called "The Orange"? I haven't. It's like everyone's favorite poem, but um, I'll send it to you after this. But yeah. it's basically just a poem about her sharing an orange with her friends. That's so and cute. Like, it's really cute. <laughs> And it's, like, a really big orange. And she's like, the size of it made us laugh. (laughs) (laughs) It's really sweet. I'll send it to you. Um, Okay, something that makes you lose your shit in a positive and a negative way. Two different things. In a positive, it has to be seeing my friends succeed. Yeah. I was so quick to answer that, but it's because it's true. I feel like I've I've witnessed you witnessing your friends succeed. Oh, it's... As, as we, could, we, could, we could sit here talking about like you was at Groove first. Yeah. So Josh you were won. headlining and Yeah, you see again, competing. I was I was so that headlining. That was like a full circle moment. It really was. Yeah. So I was headlining a year later at a different event called Grooveverse. Which correct me if I'm wrong, but you weren't meant to be so for the no, competition, no, yeah. which was a month before, yeah. two months before. Yeah. You weren't meant to be competing. No. You got called so on the day. I got called the day before. Okay. And it was just like, hey, we've had a last-minute dropout, but we've seen your stuff on Poets Palace. You're really good. Mm -hmm. Like, are you available tomorrow to be a guest poet? And I was just like, oh, look at that. I actually am. So we went there, and I was obviously amongst other poets in the running for the next headline spot, and I won it. Yeah, you did. And I was just like, (laughs) great. That sounded so sarcastic and underwhelming. No, but it, was, it was it was just a little bit of a shock. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, I wasn't two days ago, you weren't even thinking about it. Yeah, no. 
Um, and then at my headline, Josh was, um, I guess, poet in the running for a headline. He was competing. And I'm not going to lie to you. Sorry, Josh. But the night started off and I was just like, yeah, Josh, it's a long day. Um, <laughs> it's a long day. Because there were some, there was some honest to God, there were fantastic people there, like Poetica. Yeah. For her to kick She's the night amazing. off the way she did. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I said, what the hell was happening? Yeah. And then Josh went and I was just like, heard every single one of these pieces before. Me and him share poetry often. Mm-hmm. But I've never seen it in this way. Yeah. The way it moved me, the way it moved the crowd, like mm-hmm. I removed all bias from it, I still would have chosen yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he won a headline at my headline. Yeah. And it was just the best thing ever, man. I lost my voice that day because I was screaming so much. <laughs> but yeah, no, seeing my, seeing my friends win, yeah. seeing them happy, that, that really does it for me. That's cool. Like, even if my dreams are never realised or actualised and accomplished and I you know, work my way up to a little office job and I make a, a cool little salary as a marketer or whatever, my friends are succeeding, I'm more than happy. Oh. Like, I'm, I'm more than fulfilled. I love that. Something makes you lose your shit in a negative way. Dishonesty. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. I don't. I understand that honesty is, is hard sometimes. Mm. It's not always easy to tell mm-hmm. the truth, especially if you're in the wrong about a situation yeah. or or if there's just multiple people mm-hmm. involved in a situation, because that is multiple emotions that yeah. you have to deal with. But I just feel like telling the truth is just the thing to do. Yeah. And then again, telling the truth and being honest are two completely different things. You can tell the truth, but still not be honest about how you feel about a situation. Mm. So I I try to practice honesty as much as possible. Yeah. Because even in the truth, you can still technically be telling a lie. Honesty is like integrity, isn't it? It's yeah. like matching it up with your integrity. And and it's a scary thing to do because yeah. you then, especially in those types of yeah. scenarios, you then have to think about how is this person going to receive what I'm about to say? Yeah. Like, does that, does my honesty and my truth mm. then mean that the relationship capitulates or yeah. can we grow past this? You know what I mean? Um, it's it's a really weird thing. I Have you ever read um, All About Love by Bell Hooks? No. You should read it. You, I just feel like you'd fucking love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you heard of Bell Hooks? I haven't. So she's this black feminist writer. Um, she's passed away now, but there was a big moment during lockdown where, like, I think a lot of people were reading it. Okay. Um, and it's it's amazing. She's like anti-capitalism and like all of these kinds of things. Mm. But the way that she talks about love and the way that she talks about like honesty and like loving honesty mm. is like a really beautiful thing and that book is like the biggest shift that i have had because i think prior to that i was guilty of like um not necessarily being honest because i was scared of hurting people's feelings yeah. or like it was like a people pleasy thing yeah. that i would kind yeah. of try to say what they wanted me to hear because i wasn't confident enough in my own mm-hmm. integrity to speak my truth yeah. but reading that book was such like a light bulb moment in terms of all of those things. Like I would really recommend it. That's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah no. Send me, send me the book so I don't forget after. But yeah. A moment you found some shit out about yourself. Every day. <laughs> uh, what's the standout moment? <laughs> the thirteenth of July. On that day context and i will not give the entire thing away but 
Um, so Josh has this page called Hello Mutuals, which is essentially just a hub for creatives, oh, wow. people who do music, acting, etc., etc., whatever, just to um, just to link up, kind of share work, etc., mm-hmm. collaborate. Shout out Hello Mutuals on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was doing a shoot. I was at the shoot. There was someone else at this shoot. You would have heard that I did a poem called The Woman in the Black Dress. <laughs> the 13th of July is when I met her. Wow. Um, and yeah, it's like that day I realised that I was a baby. I'm a softie. Really? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a huge softie. I'm a huge softie. Through all heartbreaks, I was just like, eh, it's just in my nature to be this way. Yeah. And I, it's funny because I thought that that was... Not necessarily lost, but kind of dead to an extent. Because I kind of I kind of adopted this mentality of, eh, well, you know, I might yeah. die single. Yeah. And maybe that's okay. <laughs> maybe that's okay. We're all going to die single, babe. Literally, literally. literally. <laughs> um, but I was, I was just kind of like, yeah, no, this is, this is fun. Like, this is... Yeah. Like, feeling is actually dope. Yeah. It's so, so dope. Yeah. And, like, having another person to just kind of be aware of and mindful of and all of that stuff. So, yeah, I, I learned that I was a big softie. That's beautiful. Hopeless romantic is the poet in you. Yeah. Um, okay, shittest piece of advice you've received? Do it tomorrow. Mm. Yeah, do it tomorrow. There's not always a tomorrow. Sometimes tomorrow never comes, whether that's for me or for somebody else or for that opportunity. Yeah. If you have the chance to do it today, and it's weird because, again, some things are just like you can't burn yourself out Mm -hmm. doing them so repetitively or whatever the thing is. Like, if you can do it tomorrow and it's not going to, like, massively change your life if you don't do it today and you never get to do it again, by all means, do it tomorrow. Look after yourself. But when it comes to important things, if you've got someone you love that you need to tell Mm -hmm. that you haven't spoken to in a minute do it today mm. like even now that made me think of I haven't spoken to my uncle in quite a while yeah I'm probably gonna call him after this and, yeah. and tell him what's up but yeah don't don't wait till tomorrow yeah because you're never actually guaranteed that and it's a weird thing to think it is actually a bit you know morbid and scary but you don't have all the time in the world it's also it's it's scary but it's also kind of beautiful because yeah, it's yeah, saying like give people their flowers and literally. like take the opportunity yeah. because you can because you don't know, like, whether you'll be able to do it the next day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and that should be enough reason to do all the mm. things that we love and to pursue all the things that we want to. Yeah. Because you can. Yeah. You shouldn't need any more reason than that to do mm-hmm. something. You can. Yeah. So you should, especially if that thing is a positive thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, shit you wish you'd known sooner. Get a job. <laughs> Get a job. The tax man is stealing from me. Goodness me. I'm responsible for 100% of this work and you are taking so much of it. Save. Save. Honestly, save. I'm still quite young. I still live at home. Mm. So I'm very lucky in in that sense. Um, But for anyone who's younger than me, or anyone who's older than me, save. Still save. It doesn't have to be a whole lot. Um... This is probably less profound to like selves and individuals and is more relating to the world, but we live in the world, so yeah. it's not something that we can ignore. Um, the government doesn't care about you. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, 
unfortunately yeah. they do not care about you um and the banks aren't going to look after you too well either Mm. so just save have a bit of self-reliance it makes life easier Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna say i am wholly financially stable but i am stable and i can do what i want which isn't Mm. a lot i don't like to do a lot um but like if i wanted to go for a coffee right now i could yeah do you know what i mean um and it's that if you afford yourself that comfortability you can turn off that part of your brain that has to stress about those things yeah so safe yeah it reminds me of that quote that's like money doesn't buy you happiness but it buys you like options and choice yeah Yeah. and like being able to choose to get a coffee or something like that it's those small things that like actually can mean a lot in life because i know people that love starbucks (laughs) and starbucks is an expensive coffee shop yeah cancel sometimes yeah yeah no (laughs) and sometimes it doesn't make sense for them to go and get one yeah. You know, and it's just like shitty for you because I want you to be able to do what you yeah. want to do. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, safe. Yeah. We don't really get taught how to do that though. No, we don't. Yeah. Schools don't, they don't love want us. us to know. Schools don't love us. <laughs> don't teach me about tax. Don't teach me about current accounts and credit I do cards. Know and know trigonometry. So that's good, isn't it? Have you ever used it? Nope. There you go. <laughs> okay, before the podcast, I asked you to think of a shit shot. Mm-hmm. So that is a photo that to the outside eye looks like you have your shit together, but at the time it was taken, you definitely didn't. Mm-hmm. What is it? That was that picture of uh, me winning the headline at Poets Palace, mm. and I'm hugging, embracing my brother Josh, who was <laughs> very easily, very very easily the most excited in the room for me. Yeah. Um, but just because of the time frame of what, like what was happening around that time. Yeah. It was so, like, to this day, it's probably one of the most bittersweet moments for me because that was such a positive thing in terms of the trajectory my life took in the next year. Mm -hmm. But I never got to appreciate that moment. And it's gone now, so I can't recapture that feeling. Especially as it was so unique. That's my first performance in 10 years. That is, you know, a a big achievement to win a headline right off the rip. I can't, I can't get that back. Mm. I've won multiple headlines since. I've done so many performances since. Like, I can't recapture that feeling and that's probably the, the, the worst thing about that situation is just, like, such a positive yeah. outpour. I can still, like, in my head, I can hear the screams and the cheers and how happy everyone was. And I had friends there that I haven't seen since mm. either college or before that. Um, and it was a really, really, really positive moment just shrouded by a little bit of negativity at the yeah. time. Um, so that's my, that's my shit shot. What I would say about that, though, is you, in these moments, these big life moments like that, mm-hmm. or like Katie running the marathon and stuff like this, we have an expectation of how we should feel and yeah. rarely it's actually what you think that you should feel or you know putting an outside pressure on the thing to be a certain way as well like you can only meet yourself where you're at yeah and that that moment happened and you might not have felt like how you feel like you ought to have felt in that moment Mm. but you're getting the flowers from it since that moment so enjoy those things yeah yeah, yeah. rather than like regretting 
not feeling fully present for that. Like, yeah. you know. Regret is a weird thing because it it's, it's one of those things where I can, like you say, every show since, like, yeah. fully invested. Like, I'm mm. in that moment and we can really appreciate getting flowers from people, especially yeah. people who understand the journey, right? Yeah. Um, but it's just like regret is just one of those things. As much as I can look back and be like, you know what, it is it is what it is, there's always going to be that little part of me that of just wishes yeah. that I had my brain turned off just a little bit more yeah. and my heart turned on just a little bit yeah. more in that moment. Yeah. Um, and that will never leave and that will stay and it is what it is. Yeah. But, you know, you learn to live with it. Yeah. It's okay it that, that, that that situation unfolded the way that it mm. did because I don't think a soldier's scars would have been written if it didn't happen that way. Yeah. And that's been something that has been very transformative in my life as of late. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Zeph... Have you got your shit together? No. No, I don't. No, I don't. And I'm very proud not to. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, still, we're still figuring it out on a daily basis. You know? You know, I don't, I, hmm, I don't want to say I don't have it together. You know what? We're, we're on the toilet, right? <laughs> we're on the toilet. Set the and, scene, babe. Come on. And we've just taken a shit. Right. And it's not like constipation level droopy, but it's... it's <laughs> It's got a little bit of liquid liquidity to it. Okay. And you're going for the wipe and there's just enough there to, like, get a clean enough wipe on uh-huh. it and get all the excess shit out. Yeah. But, like, there might be a little remnant here and there. Okay. So there's still some shit about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Major- majority of it has been collected. <laughs> In a baby wipe, of course, because I don't feel like tearing my asshole using toilet. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, I'm... I'm again in the, in that process, yeah. and I'm loving it, and I'm taking every day in its stride. Mm-hmm. Trying not to think too much. Yeah. I'm trying not to think too much. I'm kind of just trying to be present. Yeah. And do. Mm-hmm. Um, I've notoriously been known to not be active on social media. I am in the middle of quite an extensive break. Yeah. For everyone crying at me, I will be back next <laughs> year. Okay. Everyone Has it been down. useful being off it? so useful yeah. I love I just love life so much more like I yeah. this thing it this phone from... in my hand I honestly nowadays I could leave the house and I don't I don't need it have you heard Children of the Internet by um, Ezra Collective and Dave no oh there's some it's I fucking love it and there's some bars about like that that relationship and how it like puts you off yeah but it's you. just like I used to the reliance never used to be on there Oh. I used to go out yeah. and knock on doors for my <laughs> friends and ask their mothers if they could play out with me. That's, that's where you I can came. You still do that. Bring of that back. Of course you can. Of course you can. And I still very much do so. Um, and it's, it's just now a little bit more because you have to prep because sometimes they're just not home and it's just like, yeah. oh, well, you that live quite far from me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. So I've I've taken a lot of time off my phone. Yeah. Probably will take some more. Even when I get back onto social media, mm. still just learn how to balance that. It's the tool and the yeah, it's, yeah. It's, the, it's the tool. It doesn't use me. I use it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I've 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 got my shit starting to come together, mm-hmm. and I don't think it will be done until my last day on this earth, mm-hmm. whenever that may be. But yeah. I'm okay with that. 
Amazing. Have you got your shit together? Kate? Absolutely not. No? No, not at all. No? no. Is, is that okay? That's why I'm, like, getting people here so I can, like, figure out how to make it happen. But would you not say figuring out how to get your shit together is part of getting your shit together? Well, it's what you said about getting up every day and trying, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And I feel like I'm trying. You are. And, and you're doing great. Do. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> no worries. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. No problem. I've loved it. Here is one of Zeph's poems, The Woman in the Black Dress. The evening of September 16th, I saw a picture of a woman in a black dress. Black heels, red nails, layered bracelets. I'm very much obsessed. Probably ill-considered, but I know I have to win her heart next. She's a prized possession, but not anyone's property. I've only met her once, yet feel like I've known her my whole life, a strange dichotomy. She was in Paris, France, and even though I saw her see the Mona Lisa for some reason, I lack the heart to tell her that in my eyes and in that room, she is the only work of art. It makes sense, her mother equally as beautiful at a glance, So to the woman in the black dress, how symbolic of a shadow you are. To me, never tangible, but in your physical absence, you catch my eye enough for thoughts to spark. Lady Well Park, the place that cemented our meeting. A nervous young man asks beauty personified if she was single. She said yes, his heart at triple speed started beating. The evening of September 16th, I saw a picture of a woman in a black dress. Is it then idealism for me to want a future where those black heels reside on a shoe wall five feet from our bed? Those red nails resting gently on my chest, layered bracelets and matching his and hers set. I'm still very much obsessed with the woman in the black dress. so much for listening to this episode of the podcast this podcast is produced by ant hickman the artwork is produced by tim saunders and the photography is by patch bell a massive thank you to cassia for letting us use their song slow see you on the next episode of have you got your shit together now and then i'm just a little bit low i always try to lose my mind in a conversation with you